I have some breaking news. Sometimes the church and church people get it wrong. Did you know that? I'm thinking particularly, I mentioned this last Sunday too, of how church folks and the institution can tend to focus more on the death and suffering part of the Easter story rather than on the resurrection part. I wonder if sometimes, as silly as it may seem, if it is easier to stay walled up in the tomb. And I have to confess that I know something about this in my own life. I'm somebody who can focus on the negative, can tend toward the melancholic. As we heard earlier from Wendell Berry, I confess that I have not been happy enough considering my good luck. So this Easter season, I have a simple aim, to be happy more. And isn't that the invitation of this season? This time of increasing light and slowly unfolding spring. To feel the sun shining on your face and be open to the blessings of these days. To be shedding that protective husk you may have put on over the winter and open yourself to the possibility of new life and new becoming. You hear this call in every faith tradition to be awake and open to what is present and what is possible, to see what you could miss if you were too busy or too self-obsessed. You heard it in Rumi's words just now about the community of the Spirit. Sit down in this circle, he says. Quit acting like a wolf and feel the shepherd's love filling you. He asks, why do you stay in prison when the door is so wide open? Move outside the tangle of fear thinking. Live in silence. Flow down and down in always widening circles of being. He's describing the life of the spirit, which is really just being more fully alive. This life which is available to us if we will practice being open and receptive. Our worship theme for this month of April is transformation. And I was in conversation with some of you about this. And a common theme that came up was the different voices that we carry around in our heads and which ones we end up listening to. Do you know what I mean? There are those critical voices that say things like, you are never going to be good enough. It's risky to hope. You know, you'll probably be disappointed. Anybody know voices like those? Change comes when you start listening more to the life-affirming voices. I am good enough. 
I can follow my longings where they lead. I thank you, God, for most this amazing day. That place of openness and gratitude, that's where we're supposed to live, right? Where we can sing, for all that is our life, we sing our thanks and praise and mean it. So how do we do this? In a culture that tells us to go, 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 that tells us our worth is in what we own and what we earn, in a time of such fracture and conflict, how do we stay grounded and hopeful, open-hearted and happy? 20 years ago, I was living the life that wasn't mine. I didn't know it then, exactly. I just knew that something felt wrong, like the pieces of a puzzle didn't quite fit. I was approaching 40, and I had a good life. A loving spouse and two young children, but still I felt this gnawing sense of dissatisfaction, that there was something else that I was supposed to be doing. And one day, talking to a friend about this, he told me I was crazy. Look at what you have, he said. Why would you risk that? That question, that voice was certainly in my head, too. And other voices of fear and of hope. I'd started attending this vibrant UU congregation, And there I felt this invitation to be open to the Spirit, to ask questions and seek answers, and then to go where that might lead. And this changed my life. I found the path that was mine that I didn't plan for at all. And it led me here to you for which I am ever grateful. So what about you? Where are you? Are you on the path that is your own? Or are you searching for it? Maybe you're feeling stuck and lost these days. If so, take heart. All of these can be part of the journey. I hope this church will offer you, does offer you what I found, encouragement and support to imagine a new way, and then to get on with it. I hope that we are such a community of the Spirit, a house for hope, where your soul is renewed and challenged a place where we offer support and encouragement and tools to help you make the changes you want and need to make. A transformation station. I actually learned online there's a store in Haverhill called that. I thought I'd come up with it all on my own. But isn't that what we aim to do and be here? transforming lives, and in the fullness of time, transforming the world. You know what an electric transformer does, right? 
It takes this high voltage current and it steps it down, transforms it to a level that we can then put it to use, powering things that are useful to us. Likewise, we have these high voltage experiences in our lives. Joys and sorrows, times of mystery and revelation, times of frustration and despair, times of being lost and times of being found. When you're celebrating a birth or mourning a death, is this something you would want to do all on your own? You could, you know, but why would you? Isn't life meant to be shared? The celebrations and the hardships. And we have these seasons and these rituals, sacred words and songs too, that remind us people have walked this journey before. That we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And this helps us to hold life's joys and its sorrows. All that is our life. Why do you stay in prison? Rumi asks, when the door is so wide open. It was that church and community 20 years ago that helped me see that I had made something of a prison for myself and helped me to see that I could walk out of it into a more expansive life. When I came here 10 years ago, someone in the wider community said to me, Haverhill needs the UU Church to be strong and vital. I took that to mean that our openness, our willingness to stand on the side of love and justice, our commitment to helping people and to inviting them in, that this is needed and is making a real difference here in our city. We're also needed, aren't we, to provide a place of spiritual hospitality for those seeking a life-affirming faith. And we could do more of that here, provide more nourishment and encouragement and companionship for those who need it. You know, it sometimes seems a miracle to me that places like this continue to exist in the 21st century to say nothing of thriving. Because it's not a given, you know. You see plenty of examples of churches with dwindling membership that eventually have to make that difficult decision to close their doors. We're not a big congregation here, and this year we've had a higher than usual amount of repair work on our building. If you want to hear more details, you could talk to Doug Rosine. He'll tell you the whole story. Some of that's written in the bulletin this morning. We want and need to pay our staff fairly. We're trying to pay our fair share to our Unitarian Universalist Association for all the ways they help and encourage us. So some days it seems a miracle to me that this congregation of somewhere between 150 and 200 people people of differing backgrounds and resources, 
is able to give enough time and effort to keep this transformation station up and running. Not just existing or surviving, but humming along, thriving and growing. The way we do this is by your support and your participation, by your love and your prayers, by all the ways you show up and help out and give, including, of course, your money. Did you see that coming? <laughs> Some of you did. If you haven't been paying attention, you may walk in here and be completely surprised today to know that we're in the middle of the time once a year when we ask you to make your pledge of financial support to the church for the coming year. I hope you know that we're grateful for what you give in the offering on Sunday and for all that you give in other ways. But your annual pledge is what makes what we do here possible. This yearly stewardship effort is necessary and it's a reminder of our interdependence that we need one another and we need what each other is able to give. It's not something that a handful of us could do all alone. But if each of us do what we can, if we each do our part, then it works. It works. If you're new here, you should know that most folks pledge based on their pay period, on what they earn, giving a certain amount for every week or month or whatever chunk of time they decide that makes sense for them. You should know that what people give varies based on income, of course, and also how generous each person feels they can be. We don't do guilt or arm twisting around here, but we do need your help. Your generosity makes a difference, the difference between surviving and thriving. We need you to say, here I am. It may be helpful to know that the average pledge here these days is somewhere between $1,400 and $1,500 a year, about $25 a week. And to know that, of course, not everyone can give that much. That's the average. Some give less. Some give more. We just ask you to give as you're able and want you to know that we're grateful for whatever you can give and to trust that together our contributions, these tangible expressions of love and care, they, we, make this congregation, this community possible. And not just for ourselves. Aren't we holding open a space for those who aren't here yet? For those who need a community like this one, a house for hope, a place that welcomes diverse theologies and ways of being, a transformation station. I'm kind of getting, I like that. I'll try not to wear it out. For the living of these days. 
I hope you received a stewardship packet and a pledge card in the mail. If not, you can get one at the welcome table in the Murray Room. We hope you'll take time to think about what you want to pledge, and then we'll return your card to church by next Sunday. And if you have questions about this, feel free to talk to me. I'd love to have this conversation with you. Just know that we need you. And if you think that your gifts, your participation doesn't matter here, you're wrong. You know, people regularly show up here wondering if this is a place where they might be seen and heard and supported. Might this be a place where my questions, including my doubts, will be taken seriously? Where I can be myself without shame or fear? Where I feel that I belong and can start to listen to those voices of affirmation for a change? Where I sense that my life is for something and will take the risk of becoming who I was born to be where I might dare to be happy. Aren't we fortunate to have found each other, to have this community of the Spirit that helps us and holds us and sends us out to do the work we have been given to do? There's a line from one of our hymns that always gets to me because it describes how I feel about you all here in this church. It says, drifting here with my ship's companions, all we kindred pilgrim souls, making our way by the lights of the heavens in our beautiful blue boat home. My spiritual companions, let us be ever grateful for these blessings and ever glad that we are on this journey together. Amen. Let's sing.